Welcome back, Section 229 Crane Basketball Talk. Just me again today. Starting to starting to get into a groove of doing these things solo. So we'll be back with Brock and Blake next week. So can't wait b- to be back with those guys. It's been like two weeks or so since we've uh, since we talked all together. So it'll be nice to get back with them. But before we start, find us on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, like us, follow us, get our analysis of uh, of the games in real time. Interact with us, all that good stuff. So come find us. Uh, Let it fly. Cu is my Twitter handle. Our our podcast Twitter handle is Section Two Twenty Nine Talk. And then if you want to find us on Facebook, just search Section Two Twenty Nine Creighton Basketball Talk. So let's get into it for today. I said it a few weeks ago. Uh, I knew this was going to be an easy point in Creighton's schedule. Uh, take that with a grain of salt. So let's let's review here quickly in this four game stretch that we spoke about two podcasts ago. Creighton comes out, beats uh, Providence on the road, sixty-seven to sixty-five. So that's that's a great great way to start out. A little bit closer than we probably would have liked. You know, it's you, going to going to Friartown is always a, a hard trip. So sixty-seven, sixty-five, we get the win there. Creighton uh, just brought the work to Seton Hall at home the last uh, last week, and we talked about that on the podcast with Alex Sindelar earlier this week. But really, just a dominant win by Creighton. Followed up by another dominant win without Marcus Zagorowski. Um, Creighton whipped St. John's, <laughs> 97-79. to 79. A really good effort without their star player. Uh, we'll talk about that on the pod today with our guest. But I can't imagine that Butler is going to be a hard game. I expect Creighton to kind of take care of business there uh, for sure. Uh, Butler's lost their last two games by uh, 12 apiece. Um, St. John's and UConn, they're 3-7 and seven overall. Two and five in the Big East. I just, I just don't see this being a tough game for Creighton. I'm sorry. I think it's going to be a fun game because we haven't played in a week. But you know, it's not going to be something that the Jays are going to uh, drop. I, I, in my opinion. But we, we could be wrong here. Let's, let's pray that we're not. So yeah, Creighton likely was going to win that game. Um, the back end of this easy stretch in their schedule but if you would have told me we would have beat Seton Hall by nearly 40 last week I would have called you crazy (laughs) I was chirping with some Seton Hall fans on Twitter really really glad that I didn't have to eat my words there and that we won that game easily because I think a few of them were upset Uh, at any rate a great win even more crazy is that Creighton dropped one in the AP poll after this huge week I know Michigan is undefeated and everything, but it just seems crazy to think after the dominant week that Creighton had, you know, beating Seton Hall by almost 40, beating St. John's, um, you know, without Marcus Zagorowski by 20. It's truly mind-blowing that they could drop in the polls, but I know Michigan is undefeated. It makes sense why they're jumping in the polls, but... Um, so let's get into it. Uh, let's let's not waste any more time here. I don't have anything else to ramble about. Uh, let's get into it. We have Toby Hegner on the podcast today. A really great conversation we had. Uh, Toby is a Creighton legend. Has so much to offer in terms of his perspective. You know, he hit some pretty high points during his time at Creighton, uh, along with some pretty low points as well. Overall, just a great career at Creighton. One of my favorites. So let's get into it. My conversation with Toby Hegner. Enjoy. Toby, great to be with you, man. It feels like uh, we were just talking off the air. It just it feels like forever since Creighton Nation has heard from you. What's uh what's been going on, man? How's uh how's everything been since we were, we were just talking three three seasons since you've been gone? So it's it, uh, like I said, it gets a little bit blurry as you get older. But uh, yeah, what's been going on? How have you been? It's it's been it's been going good, man. Can uh can't complain. This whole pandemic hasn't really affected my family too much. There's only been a couple cases 
directly correlated with my family and my business. So it's been very good, man. You know, with my wife working in the hospital, you know, she's frontline. She sees this stuff monthly. So uh, to, to be safe and healthy right now is just a blessing. And I'd, yeah, sure. you know, being that it's been three seasons, man, it just, it's blown by. I miss it every day. I can tell you that. Yeah, for sure. Well, we I know it's your birthday this coming weekend. So happy birthday, my dude. Wishing you a very happy quarantine birthday. They're, the quarantine birthdays are a lot they're a lot to, um, a lot different than your normal birthday. So make sure you get a pack of beer. I'm sure you'll be fine at home. <laughs> no, no big deal. I'm actually uh I'm coaching an AU team this year. So I'm uh I have tryouts on Sunday for for kids oh, to make my team. So I'm I'm awesome. trying to stay busy elsewhere. I don't need that pack of beer quite yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, anyway, I mean, the la- essentially, last time we heard from you was when Creighton was bounced from the tourney by Kansas State, uh, lost by 10 points. That was the end of the 2017-18 season. So it sounds like you've been pretty busy uh, post your career, Creighton. So you said you mentioned you had a business. I want to I just want to briefly ask what what are you doing uh, for, you know, in terms of a career uh, post-graduation? Definitely. So uh, my first year out of college, I worked at Union Pacific um, for about 16 months and really lived in Omaha until my wife graduated. Um, well, at my time, my fiance at the time. Um, but once she graduated, we got married and then we moved back to Wisconsin. And in that period of, of then, I, I think I've been working for my family business for 16 months or so now. So, um, you know, during that period of time, my father came up to me and asked me if he, if I would be willing to work for the family remotely um, as a salesman and kind of a media coordinator and all that stuff. And, yeah. you know, it was something that I couldn't pass down. It was a reason to come closer to home and, yeah. and see our families both a little bit more. And um, this year, actually, both of my brothers and I bought 10% of the business from my father and he's oh, edging his way towards retirement. So we are considered owners of the business so it's it's really weird to say but at 25 i i, I can't say but I'm, I'm pretty pretty happy with owning partial of the business yeah that's great man two things so it's funny that you worked at up my dad was a 30-year vet at up so oh god he yeah thir- actually 35 years so he just retired a couple of years ago so I, I know what it's like to have a dad going into retirement it's a very it's a very interesting time in a young man's life when his father <laughs> when his father retires so get ready for a lot of uh if he plays golf if my oh, dad boy. started playing golf again so but oh no, um, yeah that's that all funny. sounds that all sounds great man it sounds like you've been pretty busy since leaving and uh that's that's really good to hear, man. Um, so, I mean, just out of curiosity, was there any, I mean, a lot of players when they leave Creighton usually at least consider an overseas career. Did you have any interest in doing that or, did you know, was that something that was kind of out of your mind? No. So I had a, a very hard decision to make at 22 or 23 years old. I had to uh, decide whether or not I wanted to continue my career or not and uh, I had a lot of opportunities um, whether it was the NBA the G League or European teams um, I had extreme amounts of interest from all over the world it was actually a really cool scenario and I I couldn't have been happier Um, but after the season I actually went into surgery probably a couple days after um, just to, to refix my bum ankle. And, um, I sat down with my surgeon, who's a dear friend of mine now, she's named, her name's Katie Greer. She's been around the program for a while now. And, um, she, uh, she sat me down and said, Toby, you're not going to want to hear this, but if you want to walk when you're older, 
and not have an eight-door placement or chase your kids around or coach or play basketball with your kids in any future, you got to kind of end your career. And I'm like, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, what does that mean? And she's like, well, your ankle is basically the age of a six-year-old man and you're 23 years old. So um, it's not looking good for you, bud, and the arthritis is spreading fast and it's just kind of looking like a wreck and she said, I'm probably guaranteed an ankle replacement once they become more doable and feasible. And, um, but yeah, she uh, sat me down. It was the most humbling experience of my life. I can tell you that. Sure. And the injury you had to your ankle was one that you sustained in a season at Creighton, correct? I can't remember what year that was. Um, it's just a period of over it's so what happened to me throughout my career at Creighton is I would roll my ankles, um, whether I had eight pounds of tape on them, an ankle brace, sure. it didn't matter my ankle just kept giving out on me. And um, what happens when you keep continuing to roll those ankles, your tendons get looser and looser and looser, and it becomes easier to roll them. Um, going into my senior year, I actually had complete reconstructive surgery of that right ankle. Um, just because I talked to Matt and I said, hey, I just want to have an healthy season, man. I want to head out on bang and see if I can have a professional career. Bone spurs up the, it was crazy. And there was one that was extremely painful that was actually on the top of my foot. And that's where a lot of my pain was coming from my senior year is that bone spur was growing rapidly. Um, so what we had to do is we had to take lidocaine and, um, and kind of release that pain um, so I could play and practice and all that types of stuff, um, which was okay. And I mean, it got me through it. And, you know, we had a heck of a year that year. I'm not mad about it at all. Um, but ultimately, it, it ended up causing my my retirement, if you really want to call sure. it that. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's crazy, man. I it, I guess it didn't never really dawned on me that you had surgery a couple of days after that season ended. Like, I guess it really hadn't, uh, I hadn't heard it around, you know, usually after like this, the Creighton season ends, I usually check out for like a week or two. So that must've just like slipped by me after that. But yeah, man, that's, that's really hard. That's a hard decision to make at like a young age. It's like, you have all of these like aspirations, especially, you know, with how well you guys played that last season, you know, a head, a, a head full of steam just kind of coming out of that final season. It's just, uh, man it just sucks like that it has to end that way <laughs> there's I mean, there's there's no other way of describing it man and i've i've come to terms with it and i'm okay with it but yeah it's the 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 term sucks is definitely the way to to just describe that situation but right like i said i'm, I'm happy i'm trying to find a, a way of feasing that basketball drive by coaching this year and it's going to be very interesting i got a group of eighth grade boys so it'll be oh great Eighth, eighth, seventh eighth grade and like ninth grade basketball are like it's it's a ton of fun i played on my like i played on a team when i was like in junior high and high school man it's those are like such fun like times like in in, in terms of like developing like your game and everything so that's that must be a ton of fun are you guys uh in the middle of the season right now or you said you were getting ready to start the season or no we're getting we're getting ready so what i'm what i'm ultimately doing is trying to create a, a a super team if you want to call it in the central wisconsin area for my old team that i used to play for back in the day sure and um i have tryouts for this team they're closed tryouts to just you know 15 kids around the area to see who's who's got the best and who can make it happen and that's actually sunday and then from sunday i'll create my team and then once february comes around i'll start practicing with them and getting them ready for uh, our tournaments in march april may and july 
Sure. Yeah. So it's kind of a good transition here. I want to kind of talk about your transition from high school uh, to Creighton. Um, you had a great career in high school. You could really score your, I remember watching your, your mixtapes coming out of your <laughs> senior year and like being like, okay, this kid can really score. Um, so let's talk about it. You came from, you know, the era right at the end of the Missouri Valley days. Obviously you were recruited for, um, you know, maybe for playing in the Missouri Valley, but you had that great uh, transition year where you were thrown into the Big East. So what was your mindset coming into the program as a Missouri Valley recruit, having that red shirt year and then being thrown into the Big East your first year? You know, it was ultimately a blessing for sure. Obviously, uh, having the idea of playing for a Missouri Valley team was ultimately where I felt like I could have succeeded the most. Um, but when Creighton made that transition, you know, I was nothing but excited for not only me as an athlete, but for the university as a whole, because of all the great things that came from it. Um, so, you know, I, I ultimately had to adapt my game to fit the, the, the way Greg wanted me to play. And, you know, that changed from season to season, um, whether it was being 215 pounds playing the four, trying to guard these quick little guys running around or you know when it comes to my senior year he wants me to be 250 and playing the, the five and guarding the the jesse govans the angel delgados of the world so um you know i ultimately did whatever i could to just get on the floor man because that's 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 a dream that only one percent of all athletes get to live and that's that's all i wanted so that i, I try to do whatever i could to make that happen so you take a red shirt year coming out of um you know high school uh, which was Doug and company's last season uh, at Creighton. What was it like to learn from them and watch them go through the Big East grind for the first time? I mean, it obviously prepared you for, you know, your time in the Big East, but what did it mean having that season kind of just watching from the sidelines and kind of just learning from a, a really good uh, full team that, you know, really played well together? Definitely. I mean, it, it makes the world of a difference. I mean, it's, it's, it's not every day that you get to guard a, a three-time All-American in practice every day. Um, so obviously that taught me a lot as soon as I walked on campus. Guarding Doug and Ethan every day was the, one of the hardest tasks to this date. Um, but it ultimately made me a better defender, even though some people don't think I was a great defender. But, I, you know, I was in the right spot a lot of the time. And that comes from Doug and Ethan and them teaching me their ways, you know, um, to this day, I mean, I'll text Ethan and see him and, you know, once a year we're still buddies and the same thing with Doug. I mean, I, I talk to him, you know, every couple months just to see how things are going. And, you know, when I, when I was going through that freshman, sophomore, um, junior, senior year, I mean, Doug would text me every so often, say, watch the game and, and would give me pointers and still try to help me um, stay on the floor longer and all that. So, you know, that retro year really not only gave me the friendships of, you know, Doug, Ethan, Jahins and all of them guys, but it also gave me an opportunity to to learn from the best and, and, and develop my game for an extra year. And the best way to look at it is, you know, I could have ended my career at 22 years old, you know, that's ending my career at 23 gives me a year longer of knowledge against these 18 year olds that are still playing. So, I mean, it just, it's, it's, it was crucial for my development. It's crucial for a lot of kids development. And, you know, at the time I didn't really want to do it, but, you know, I suffered, made a, made our made our way through it. And it was ultimately a, a huge part of my success. Yeah. And you, 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 obviously you're from the Wisconsin area and you mentioned, you know, 
playing about playing for a Missouri Valley team, had you not gone to Creighton, I'm assuming that you had quite a few other offers, you know, where was coming from Wisconsin, that area that you came from? I mean, who else was really hot after you and where did you almost end up other than Creighton? So Creighton was actually my crazy story was my, it would have been my almost first offer. I think Um, I was standing in line at a, at a UNI, uh, elite camp and coach Greg called me and he's like, Hey, Toby, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm about to go meet with Ben. And he's like, Jacobs. I'm like, yeah, I'm at UNI going to their camp. And he's like, well, I want to offer you a scholarship and all that. And I mean, it just meant words. I mean, it meant the world to me to have that one opportunity, you know, and, and I think I ended my career with like 30 something division one offers to have those opportunities. Like I said, 1% of the world gets the opportunity and I couldn't be forever grateful for it. Um, But I think in my final four or five or whatever it was, you know, it was between Iowa state um, Boston college was one of them. And then Wisconsin actually started recruiting me late into my junior year, but I ended up committing to Creighton because I ultimately knew that's where I wanted to be from day one. Um, so I, I committed and kind of chose Wisconsin out of there, which was okay. Yeah, no, I was going to mention this. Alex Sindelar had mentioned something about your hatred for Wisconsin in our podcast this last <laughs> week. So we're going to get into that here in a little bit. But, you know, it, it is crazy to me that you didn't end up, you know, at Wisconsin because I like, I think you would have fit their system really well. You know, you I, I, you did play good defense. I think you were in the right spots all the time. And I, I mean, you know, at in that era, you know, of I can't remember who the hell their coach was. What the hell was his name? It was Bo Ryan. Yeah, Bo Ryan. Guard, yeah. I mean, he had some really good defensive teams. So it'd be, it would have been crazy if you went there to see your defensive development from like your freshman year to like your senior. But I digress. You were a great defensive player as it was. But, you know, it, it's, it's, it's crazy because you, that season that you sat out, that redshirt season going into your freshman season, you know, half of the starting lineup is kind of like wiped away. Doug, Grant, Jahans they're all gone um and i think creighton fans were kind of like trying to attach themselves to someone at that point and i remember (laughs) the first memory i have of you at a creighton game was uh a reference a lot of jay sands will probably get but it was at the oklahoma game early in that season that took a lot of twists (laughs) and turns uh but there's a play in that first half where you a ball is going out of bounds and everybody Uh, knows you know on it's on your end of the floor you put your full body into the you know diving into the ball uh, end up taking out a table near the end of media row and the whole beer like spills on your head. <laughs> I remember where I was watching that game too. Cause I, oh. as, I'm a, obviously a season ticket holder, uh, you know, in section 229, but we, I, I barely missed games. So I was on a business trip and I was watching that game from the bar in Chicago. And I was just looking for something in that game to like spike up, dude. And I remember I got up and like, was like, yeah, in the middle of this quiet bar and everybody looked at me and I was just like, Oops, my bad. <laughs> but what do you remember about that game, and you know, ha- kind of that having having that be like the solidifying moment of like your Creighton career? Like, hey, I'm here for you know, that's that's what it said to me. You know, getting out and laying out for a ball like that, and you know, bringing that energy to the team that game. What do you remember about that about that game and about that moment? I mean, that was a huge part of a lot of people don't call that season a successful season, but it's what made our season tend towards a successful season. Um, that game, I, I think they're ranked 18th at the time, and it was felt like we were playing in the national championship because, sure. you know, like you said, we, we didn't have anybody. We had, you know, me starting. We had, you know, 
we had a six or seven man rotation. It wasn't anything great, but we were trying to figure it out for being in our second year of the big East. And, and, you know, we were down by 17 at one point and every, you watch that play over and over again. There's no chance I'm saving that ball. Yeah. There's no chance. Yeah. But I, at, at the time I'm like, I just, I got to try. I, there's, right. I, you have to, I mean, there's no reason not to, but right. I mean, that game was probably one of my favorite games in my career, just because I'd say it's probably top five, just because of the atmosphere that, I mean, you listen to that game now. I, I mean, my wife watched it probably a couple months ago, just because we were kind of ready for basketball season to start. And um, you couldn't hear a thing. I mean, it was one of the craziest experiences in my career. Yeah, those early season non-conference games at, at Chai Health are, they're always crazy whether you're playing Gonzaga or you're playing Oklahoma or, you know, if, if a ranked team comes into town, you know, like, you know, people are going to show up and they're going to get rowdy, but you know, I I mean, I I think, I think you're totally right, dude. Like that moment, like really it solidified like a lot of Jays fans. It's like, okay, Toby's here. He's going to, he's going to make things. Okay. But let's talk about, let's talk about this. Try um, to make things. Yeah. Right. Let's talk about this first season. Uh, I spoke to, I I talked to Will Artino about this the other day. It was a really tough season. Um, You know, it was Creighton's second season in the big East. They lost a ton of key pieces from the year before. Um, you know, you guys had a tough time with close games that year. You know, you were five and 12 against or in games that were decided by less than 10 points. Um, what do you think that year did in terms of developing you in your career at Creighton? Having it, faced that much adversity in late game situations and having so many heartbreakers, I mean, what did it, how did it develop? emotionally it was tough obviously being a freshman you're you're kind of thrown into this role and I was lucky enough to 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 win that starting spot and have that opportunity but I mean it was an emotional roller coaster I mean there's games where we were we were winning by you know two with four minutes left and we end up losing by four or something ridiculous and I mean the I'm almost positive but the one picture that reminds me that's just burned into my skull from that season is it was a loss to Xavier on a last second shot. And I'm sitting under the hoop, just thinking like, what in the heck is going on? How can we not finish these games? You know, it's just, it, it really taught you kind of mental toughness because you were not only fighting and battling against the other team, but you were fighting yourselves and, and on your team. And you were trying to get, you're trying to find a way to get that win. So when we ultimately got that win against St. John's after going 0 and 9 in the beginning of the year, I mean, it was, it was a big part for us because it says we can do this. Um, and we ultimately won a couple more games that season and luck, we didn't make the tournament or anything like that, but it was a huge year for us as players because you know, we kind of stepped up to the plate and said, we can do this. Yeah. And particularly those last three games of the season, you guys lost like, I mean, razor thin margins in all of those games, um, Seton Hall by one, Villanova by four, Xavier by one. I mean, you guys were in <clears throat> so many of those games and I don't think that team gets enough credit for how hard they fought. You know, you guys might not have won those games, but me and Will talked about that the other day. Like you guys, there's one thing that you can credit that team for is literally never giving up when you guys were getting the raw end of the stick pretty much every one of those late game situations so i mean credit to you guys that that was a hell of a season and I, a couple of those early early games in the season turn around as w's and i think that's that whole entire season's like a different vibe you know what if, i mean if the ball bounces a couple ways in three of those 12 games and you know we go eight and whatever eight and four instead of five and whatever i mean it's 
we're pushing a tournament team um just being oh, yeah. that we're in the Belize and we wouldn't push to be a tournament team if we we're in the Missouri Valley and that happened so you know that's credit for us being in the Big East and the opportunities it gives us but I couldn't agree more with Will I mean that team goes is probably one of the toughest teams I've played on just from a mental toughness standpoint just because you know every day we were I mean Mac made us compete every day because he wanted it just as bad as we did and we wanted it and you know sometimes the ball just doesn't bounce your way and there's nothing you can do about it but try harder the next time yeah i mean in particular that north texas game was probably <sighs> like the tipping point i think you guys had you guys had a massively oh, massively yeah. late in that game and i remember just like sitting there like this is happening like the whole house behind me is just like burning down i'm just like oh shit man <clears throat> that that game was nuts crazy but i mean like i said rough, dude. yeah cr credit to you guys i mean for not giving up though so okay two other things i'd like to talk about are the wisconsin um the wisconsin the games versus wisconsin and nebraska because i feel like those there's there's two dynamics here so let's take wisconsin here first my friend alex indelar told me uh, i had to poke the bear with these questions so let's oh this. yeah let's so, do it so we already covered the first question I had. They recruited you. So they recruited you a little late into your senior season uh, in high school. So yep. I mean, initially, I mean, as they start to court you, I mean, what's going through your mind? It's like you guys waited. I'm like, I'm here in the state. You waited this long to recruit me. What's going through your mind? Well, it was, it was rough. And you can talk to anybody in that 2013 class of Wisconsin. We had probably 10 Division One athletes. And none of them, none of the top tier division one athletes stayed in Wisconsin. And it's because Wisconsin didn't focus hard enough on us and they wanted elsewhere and they were trying to go elsewhere and all this stuff. And, you know, ultimately they got, they, I mean, they, they got what they needed and they had successful seasons, but they, they ultimately missed out on a lot of talent in the state of Wisconsin. I mean, myself and Matt, I mean, Matt Thomas, who played at Iowa State, had a great phenomenal career, you know, was recruited a little bit by Wisconsin, but would have done wonders at the state um, of Wisconsin. I mean, it would have been crazy. Right. Um, but yeah, man, it was, it was, it was kind of like in Wisconsin, you grew up being a Badger fan. You grew up being a Badger fan. You grew up being a Packer fan. It's all that matters in that world. The, the two givens matter. in Wisconsin, you have the, the to do two, it. Like, exactly. I'm not even from there, and I know that, you know. Exactly. And um, so I was always a Wisconsin fan. And then once I kind of started getting, you know, more recognition for my my talents and my basketball career and all this, you know, I started realizing these kids going to Wisconsin. And, you know, I was playing against the Sam Deckers every weekend in AU. I was playing against the Zach Schulters, the Bronson Konings and everybody. And I'm like, ultimately, when I was starting to make my decision, I was like, I'm really happy I didn't go to Wisconsin just because I don't know if I could handle those those players just because I played against them all the time. They're always my foe. And, you know, I, I would have continued to see that and it would have just been a bad relationship ultimately I ended up going to Creighton and you know I came in with Zach Hansen who was a who wasn't a friend of me at the time and we played against each other a couple times a year but you know it was ultimately became a really good friend of mine and um you know and, and it was it was it was the right choice just because I, I think I would have ripped some heads off at the state of at the college of Wisconsin I can tell you that just because some of those dudes we didn't see eye to eye. I can sure. Yeah. Right. I mean, there was one time where I think Zach Showalter almost wanted to fist fight me in an AU game just because I blocked him trying to dunk on me. And he just, <laughs> just we weren't the best of friends, man. And it just wouldn't have been pretty. 
Okay, so let's it's a good transition. Let's let's fast forward to your junior year. You play Wisconsin at Sea Link. <clears throat> That's what it was called at the time. So don't whoever's listening to this, don't fault me for that. But it's the Sea Link to me for yeah, life, I man. Know. <laughs> I, it, it, just the way it rolls off the tongue, it was so perfect. I it I was. can't believe that CenturyLink pulled that. But anyway, that's a whole different story. Um, Creighton pulls off the win 79-67 against a really good Wisconsin team that touted like Bronson Koenig, Ethan Happ, Nigel Hayes. I think Zach Schulwarzer was on that team too. Yep. Um, that team was damn good. Like they, I mean, you yep. might hate you might hate them, but they were pretty good. <laughs> they were, and that's not a knock to them. No, no, just, no, 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 absolutely. Never, I totally never saw eye to eye. That's yeah, all right, right. But that game specifically was one of the best home games. Like we were like we were talking about non-conference history for Creighton. Like the place was just rocking. Yep. Um, it was Justin Patton's coming out party. They were a top 10 team at the time. The list goes on and on. That game had a ton of value to it. Uh, late in that game, you hit a huge three to kind of kickstart a vital 8-0 run uh, and get Creighton over the hump in that game, essentially. You know, the, it, the game was really tight up until that point. And, you know, it was maybe the, I think I, I went back and watched that film today. It was, it was like a two-point lead. It fluctuated coming out of like, you know, the under 12 timeout there. And then that 8-0 run really set it over. Um, you didn't hit many shots that game, uh, but you hit that one. And it, I, I just, I have to know, how did it feel to shove that in every Wisconsin fan's face after you hit that? You walk down the floor and you're pointing, you're like, this is my house. I think yeah. that's what you came out of your, I think that's what came out of your mouth. I, I probably, I like, I died laughing at that today. I was like, oh my God, that shot. Well, but, it was my only shot I made that game. So I had yeah. zero right to be talking any shit, but I was, um, but no, it was it was one of those games where I wasn't needed to score and I was just out there to play defense and, you know, box out, get rebounds and do whatever I needed to do. And, you know, ultimately I got that one shot and, you know, and I'm I, I that one shot made a huge difference. Like you said, it was a huge run for us and was a reason why we probably won that game. Um, but yeah, I remember running down the court yelling this. That's exactly what I said. It was this is my house. And I was talking so much shit to these guys because. You know, I played Bronson Koenig almost like every other weekend for four years. And, and it was just, uh, it was my way of, and it was my way of saying, I made the right decision, man, where we won this game. I was meant to be here. And this is why, why I'm here. And, um, you know, it was nothing to nothing personal or nothing. It was just kind of a, a mental battle between me and the state of Wisconsin. And I remember talking to some of my teammates and being like, yo, I don't give a, I don't care what happens, but we are winning this freaking game because I'm not going back on Christmas and hearing about it for yeah. four days. <laughs> yeah. So we are winning this game. Oh, we ultimately man. won the game and it was, it was a great game. And that Wisconsin team was really good. I mean, Nigel Hayes was, was crazy. And, and, and Ethan Happ was starting to kind of develop into what he become and, you know, and there's no knock to Bronson Koenig. I mean, he was probably one of the best point guards in, in the NCAA when he was playing and he was that way growing up too. Um, and I mean, the, the biggest thing that I remember from Bronson Conan was him hitting that shot in the, the, who, who was it against? It was against, um, in the NCAA tournament. God. Yeah. The, the fall away three to at the buzzer. Uh, yeah. yeah. I know what you're talking about. It, I can't remember. I can't remember what it was, but I don't think it, I think it was the same season. Uh, it might've been against Villanova cause they knocked off Nova in, in no, the tournament that year. It might, it might not have been that game. Villanova we didn't Villanova, um, whatever it is. I don't wanted to say it was Xavier or something because that was the year that Xavier was really. I don't remember, but yeah, it was. I mean, that's no knock to them, but that was definitely a highlight of my career. Even though I had three points and like two rebounds, 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, the, okay, so the way that you talk about Wisconsin is kind of the way that Jays fans think about Nebraska. It's like we, we grew up there watching the Huskers, and, you know, sometimes it's not by choice. Sometimes your parents make you do it, but you grow up watching it nonetheless, and then yep. you grow up to be able to make your own decisions. You're like, hey, I like Creighton basketball a hell of a lot more than that. That's exactly how I feel about Nebraska, the way that you feel about, the way you feel about Wisconsin. So let's talk about Nebraska now. That's a good transition again. Um, you know, you went a perfect 4-0 against the old Cornhuskers, which is great, right? You went 4-0? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, explain how it feels to be a, perf you know, a perfect 4-0 against your rival. I mean, you remember how intense those games versus oh, Nebraska really? were during, specifically oh during your time period because – in that first season that you guys, uh, that you know, in the first season that you played, they had a great team and they were supposed, they were favored to win that game. So oh, yeah. talk about, you know, how it, what your recollection of those games are and how intense they were. Well, I mean, it was the the it's crazy to think about, but you know, the the Creighton versus Nebraska game is a holiday for the state of Nebraska. And it's not a bad thing that it is, but it's, you know, everybody talks about it. Everybody speaks about it. It's, it's one of those that's always marked on the calendar first. And, you know, the craziest part is, you know, you walk into your college classes the day before the game and you're like, you know, like I haven't missed class this week because I, we have a game against Nebraska and we're traveling or, you know, I have to be at the gyms at so time. And, you know, the teachers are like, I don't care what happens this year, but as long as you win that game, that's all that matters. <laughs> and these are coming from college professors and you're like, like, holy shit, Our, this is, this is serious. <laughs> all right. This is like, I, this is, this is real stuff right here. Like this is, this is do or die. It felt like, um, but the crate, the crate Nebraska games are just crazy, crazy games. And they're always great games, whether or not, I think we beat them both. We beat them every time by double digits. Um, but that doesn't speak about the game at all because they were always really close games until we kind of hit that final run. Um, and, you know, and I never – I didn't play well the first time I was at Nebraska, which I was my sophomore year. I played decent my freshman and junior year, but I, I feel like – no, was it my sophomore year? I think it was my freshman year is where we played them at yep. – yeah, it, it was my you freshman played year. There, yeah, you, you played your freshman year in Lincoln, and then it rotated every year. So. Yep, so I didn't play great that game. I can tell you that. I think I, I think I threw a big stunt out there. I just couldn't get a shot to fall, and I'm almost positive if you rewatch that game, I was fighting for a rebound, and me and this guy tipped it, and it went in Nebraska's hoop. So you can ultimately say that I tipped in a two-point bucket for Nebraska that day. 65 to 55 was the score of that game your yeah. freshman year. It was a yeah. it was a clunker. Uh, Nebraska mm -hmm. was supposed to be pretty good offensively, and they came out and laid a absolute egg. So that was, I mean, that's a fun way to kick it off. But you know, you have a lot of memorable moments in the in that series, including the putback dunk heard around Jay's fandom <laughs> in 2016. You guys took a trip to Lincoln that year. Uh, you rated number ten at the time. Uh, it really wasn't. A close game in my opinion but late in that second half you came crashing through the lane when like jack mcveigh just decided not to like box you out or anything completely fell just asleep <laughs> yeah just fully, completely fell asleep uh and it, it, it was a jaw-dropping thing to see from you because that was like the most aggressive i, I think we ever saw you at the rim we were just like whole, yeah. every, i think everybody was just like holy shit it's, obviously it's turned into like a meme ever since you know like <laughs> you know people poke people post it you know all the time when yeah. with you know every year when the nebraska game comes around it's, so it's, it's my um, yearly tweet is is that is that <laughs> gif or whatever that they created just that's one tweet a year man and that's gonna be the one 
Right. But, but later no, in that no. game, later in that game, you also had a dunk to essentially seal the win for Creighton. Michael Jacobson just couldn't stick with you on a slip that you had, and you slammed another one home. Like I think like two or three minutes later. So I mean, that <laughs> that sequence is really similar to like. You know, everything else that we've talked about, like hitting that three and then diving on the floor for that beer. But how did I mean, how does it feel to be etched into Creighton, Nebraska rivalry history, um, you know, just based off of the, that the, that dunk sequence? <laughs> so so I, I heard about it all the time. And, you know, it was a 40 second series between each dunk. It was 40 seconds. And obviously the benches reaction makes those dunks, because like you said, I, I was, I'm a big guy, dude. I'm six ten. Like I can dunk just like the rest of the big guys, but that's oh, not yeah. what I, yeah. that's not, that's, I'm not as athletic as those guys where I'm going to go and post somebody up and dunk on them. But I was, you know, my role was more of a finesse guy. I was a shooter. Um, so when I actually had the putback dunk, you know, I didn't even, it just, I don't even know what happened. I just didn't get touched and I jumped and, you know, I was up there and I was like, well, fuck, I'm up here. So I might as well, yep, there we go. Slammer home. Um, so I dunked it and then I went down the floor and I was just like thinking in my head, I was kind of like angry and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that happened. What's up? And then like the next <laughs> possession down, I was posting up and I got some good position on Jacobs and, you know, I took one dribble bounce and I was like, well, I'm up here again. Why not? Let's do it again. <laughs> and then I just remember just that it wasn't like a meant to be angry mood, but like, I was just kind of like in that like grind of like, I'm in this game, I'm, I'm making my stamp in this game. And, you know, that's forever going to be probably what I'm known for in those games, which is perfectly fine. Even though I probably only had four career dunks in college. Yeah, right, right. Well, <laughs> but, it's, 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 crazy yeah. to, it's crazy to think about because, you know, post the Doug McDermott era, this team really, um, the brand had to find someone else to kind of fill that void of Doug not being there, the whole, you know, the whole group that Doug graduated with not being there. And I think you were, you were a huge part of that team's identity for four years after that. And I think those three things that we talked about that, that dive on the floor, the Wisconsin, and then, you know, the, you know, the being etched into history with Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, you played a huge part in this team's identity over those years. So thank you from Creighton nation for, for sticking with it and not giving up because I mean, that first year you really, you really could have, you really could have just oh, yeah, thrown in the towel and like, fuck this man, I'm done. Man, it was, it was rough. I, I'm, I'm this is not a lot of people know this, but I, I did spend a lot of time on the phone with my family just saying, I just, this is a whole different ball game, man. And we just can't get anything to happen. And, you know, you take a lot of blame on it as yourself, as a starter. And, you know, and I, I tried to play a big role and I was really inconsistent because I was, I was still a freshman. This is my first year and playing in college basketball. It's, this is a whole new ball game, man. It's not like going to a high school gym and putting 20 and 10 up um, when you're a foot taller than everybody on the floor. Right. Um, and in the big East too, nonetheless, I mean, you, exactly, you going yeah. into high school, going into college, you're thinking, okay, Missouri Valley, but then you you get there and then it's, you know, you don't have a night off where you play Southern Illinois or something like that. You know, exactly. it's, it's every, every night, but you know, it's, I'm, that, I'm, ex I'm extremely grateful for, for coach Matt continuing to stand by me throughout my five years because it, you know, not only could I have given up, but he could have easily have given up on me and, 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 obviously parted ways with me but he ended up bringing me back year and year out after all of that and you know it's it's truly a I'm truly grateful and it's I'm forever grateful and you know that's why we have these I talk to him every so often and that's how I'll be for the rest of my life because you know I owe, I owe him a lot of a lot of um I don't even know what the word gratitude um sure. for what he did for me and 
um, standing by me through all those tough times because ultimately it ended up being a good career for me. Yeah. You know, I think, I think the Creighton brand definitely owes some gratitude to you as well for sticking through because I feel like you, you know, you, you stuck with it your entire career, you know, like even if you had a down year where you lost some playing time to, you know, somebody else or something like that, you, you stuck around, whether if it was coming around off the bench or starting or, you know, whatever it was, man, you, you filled that role and, and, and that helps shape culture, you know, especially after the Doug McDermott era, having someone there for four years working as hard as you did, it, it does something for the generations to come after that, you know, because that that enthusiasm and then that dedication to what you're doing, you know, breathes into other parts of the program. So having someone like you, a four year player, come in and, and stick with it is, is huge. So I think, you know, Creighton Nation definitely owes you gratitude as well. I appreciate that, man. It does mean a lot to me hearing that from not only you, but, you know, hearing it from others once my career ended. It, it, it is extremely grateful to hear that types of stuff, and I'm extremely thankful for it because, you know, there are times where you're like, you know, you, you throw up a big donut and you play 17 minutes and stuff, and you're like just – you're getting – like it's horrible to say, but, you, you know, a lot of us delete our Twitters and stuff because, sure. you know, these people tweet at you, and they're ruthless people, and they don't know what you're going through, like – my senior year was was a rough year for me. I, I had a great senior year basketball yeah. wise. Yeah, but with you guys, my, great team. But, but personally, I just was going through some stuff with my family, with my mom being diagnosed with breast cancer. You know, mentally, I was I was I was there playing. I was physically there playing, but I was always worried about what's going on with my family. Do I, am I doing the right thing? Should I be with my family during this time? And, you know, I, I was, I didn't really tell anybody about it because no, nor was anybody's business, what was going on in my life, but you know, it was kind of personal to me and I didn't want, you know, I'm not trying to bargain anybody with what's going on in my life. And, you know, there's, as soon as everybody found out the the support that me and my family got or is just simply unbelievable and you know i couldn't be more thankful for for what creighton did for me i I really couldn't yeah so that's a uh that's a good a good thing to talk about you know like i your pink out game your senior year was a hugely emotional night you know what i mean like that because i believe your your mother was diagnosed prior like several months prior to the game correct she was diagnosed a month before that game, but didn't, she told my, my girlfriend at the time. Um, but I did not know until after that game, she told me after that game. Yeah. Right. Which is it's, it's, you know, I, if there was one thing that could happen in the Creighton world post COVID it's to bring the Hegners back for <laughs> pink out night and honor your mother. Cause your mother is, is, she's, she's a huge, she's a huge part of Creighton Twitter. She's very active. She's still very much involved in like giving commentary and keeping up with the team. And I, I love it. You know, like there needs to be a Tracy Hegner <laughs> appreciation night. Yes. Yes. Yes, we will definitely need to get her back. And I've talked to her about going back to a pink out game just because um, obviously that one meant a lot to her. Um, but without me knowing, I, I mean, like, I think my my now father-in-law bought my jersey that year and put, you know, the Stork and Hagner family for the wrong reason that he knew that my mom was diagnosed. And, you know, walking in the locker room, I didn't know that. I was just like, oh, you know, my, my family and my girlfriend's family bought my jersey. How freaking awesome is that? Um, but you know, going back and, and hearing, I remember sitting on the floor in my mom's hotel room, just like, just in awe. And, and, you know, all I wanted to do is hug her and tell her everything's going to be all right. And, you know, I went to Mac, I think Mac knew about it before I did. And, 
and I went to Mac and I'm like, what am I, what can I do? Like, what, what can we do? And he was like, well, I'm going to fly you back for her surgery. You're going to sit with her for a day or two. You're going to come back. We're going to win this. We're going to win a couple more games. We're going to go to turning. We're going to have a great year. And then you can be with your family for all the time you need. And, um, you know, Mac did fly me back, which was extremely grateful. And I did get to see my mom before surgery and after surgery. I remember sitting there the entire time waiting for her. Um, but yeah, we, we definitely need to have a, have a Tracy Hidner paint out game because I think Creighton Nation would really, really move tears for her because um, of what she means to Creighton and what she means to me and a lot of people. I mean, she's a wonderful woman and, you know, I love her to death and I'm grateful for everything she's done for me in my life. Absolutely. Well, I have absolutely no say in this, but I can I can sure sure as shit start up some shit on Twitter. So I will. Hey, I'll get should. out there and get a hashtag going. Yes, yes. We need to bring bring Tracy Hagner back for a pink out game. We yes. got to you got to think of a hashtag, and we should definitely. I I'll get she'd it. appreciate it for sure. She, oh uh, yeah, yeah. She misses sure. it. She misses it more than I do, and. And you know there there are quite a few uh, wealthy Creighton alums out there that I'm sure would be very down to <laughs> for the cause. So we'll we'll get into that. We'll uh we'll, we'll get that rolling here after the pod. But let's talk a little bit about uh, Creighton current hoops. Um, yeah. I mean, how much have you been following along this year? Have been watching any games or every anything? game, man? Every awesome. game. It's I bleed blue, bro. I, That's I, good, I, man. I watch I'm, every game. I support these guys till death. That's for sure. I love it. Well, I mean. <clears throat> I guess this is kind of a, a good question to ask since we've kind of talked about this, but um, how important is it since you've kind of been in a situation like this, staying focused and just keeping, just keeping the wins piling up? Um, I mean, Creighton fell out of the, they didn't fall out of the top 10, but they dropped a spot. Um, how, is it hard to remain focused uh, when you have such a good week and you slip in the polls? You know, it's, 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 when you're in that type of situation, it's not about the polls. Um, a lot of uh, that mentality doesn't really matter to us players. Um, sure. You know, whether we're ranked number one or number 10 or number 25, it doesn't matter as long as we get to the tournament. Sure. Um, that's our goal from day one um, is to get to the NCAA tournament and have a successful NCAA tournament. And, um, you know, they have, uh, they have a, they're having a wonderful year. I mean, they couldn't be on, they're hitting a peak at a great time. Um, it's just kind of riding that peak as long as they can. And, you know, hopefully that downhill doesn't come until after the NCAA tournament. And, um, you know, what they got to do is they got to stay humble. They, they, they got to stay tough. They got to stay mentally strong and win these games because, you know, it's not going to be easy. Just like when they played at UConn. I mean, it's you got to go out and win those games, because if you don't win those games, it's going to be it's going to be a horrible end of the year. Sure. Right. And I was thinking about this today, too. You, you know, you, you talked about Creighton, you know, really turning it on at the right time. And what a no better time for Alex O'Connell to be clicking as well. I mean, he is finally starting to get his feel for this offense. Uh, and we talked about this in a podcast with Jordan Scurry, I think, a couple of weeks ago. You know, getting him acclimated into this offense now. Uh, so he has those that skill set going into next season. Uh, do you think that is? Do you think these next couple games we're really going to see Alex come out of his shell even more? I think it was just a matter of time before Alex really felt comfortable. And I mean, you look at any transfer that comes to our program, you know, it it ultimately takes time for them to to feel comfortable. I mean, you know, the nice thing about being a transfer is usually get that year to feel comfortable and feel a part of this team even though you're not playing you're still as much of a important role as anybody playing um you know like Maurice Watson and Cole Huff are prime examples of that 
and the success that they had at Creighton is because of the camaraderie that they had with us, even when they weren't playing. Um, so for him to not have that time to, and with COVID not being there all summer and everything, you know, him not having that time to be a part of the team and be part of it, you know, it was only a matter of time before he felt comfortable. And you can really tell that there was a weight lifted off of his shoulder in this past game when he started, you know, he hits that first shot and you can kind of just see a, a sigh of relief just because, you know, it's finally like, all right, I can freaking do this. Let's go. And, you know, he's, he's going to play a huge role um, in this, in this second half of the season, just because, you know, teams aren't going to know how to guard him yet. You know, he's, he's still, he's still an unknown factor. Um, so if he can come out and throw up three threes and go nine points and have a couple rebounds and have a great game, I mean, that's going to be crucial for the success for Creighton and Greg McDermott. So, I mean, all props to, to Alex and what he's doing and everybody on that team. I mean, it's, you know, we got to keep everybody healthy. And, and from there, you know, it's going to be a great, great, great year. Once he gets going, he can really stroke the three. And I think it's a really, <clears throat> it's an interesting dynamic to place him into the the lineup this late into the, no, not this late into the season because he's been around for a few games, but, you know, having him and Mitch <laughs> on the same side of the floor is just, it's crazy to me, you know, like they're, they it, both can shoot like hell. So it's, uh, yeah. it's really going to stretch teams out going to, going down the stretch here. I think they're really going to have, I think teams are going to have a hard time guarding them. It's crazy to think about, you know, the, the main reason why I think this team is having so much success is because they have kids that can, can score in bunches, you know, like there's, there's, there's games where Mitch will have, you know, three points, but there's games where Mitch will have 15 and it'll be 15 in three minutes. Yeah. Um, right, and, right. and that's kind of what Alex brings is another person who can have that quick 12 points like he did the other night and, and make that run of 12 by himself I mean, Marcus Zagorowski can do it. Mitch can do it. Damian Jefferson can do it. I mean, Mahoney can do it. I mean, everybody on that team can do it. And that's why they're going to have such a successful year is because it could be any given player at any given time. And that's what, I mean, that's what Greg McDermott's been recruiting. And that's what he's, has been looking for is to have every single player play a role and have that same role in every game and you know what it like I like you said it could be Mahoney one game it could be Marcus the next game it could be it I mean it could be anybody on any given night and it's hard to it's hard to plan as a an opponent to guard a team like that because you don't know you could put your best defender on Mitch and guard him at half court but Mahoney's gonna go and get 18 or DJ's gonna go and get 22 right what do you do? I mean, it's the hardest thing. And I mean, props to Matt and what he's brought to, to Creighton because that's, that's truly as a coach is what you're looking for. And it's only getting better. <laughs> the recruiting has just gotten just so it's, it's just, it's off the charts now, but um, I want to talk about Christian Bishop. Uh, what are you seeing uh, out of Christian Bishop this year? That's helping Creighton. I mean, obviously <clears throat> you kind of played that same role. CB has kind of played essentially an undersized five man, you know, at the, at the five position. I mean, how no. have you seen his game evolve over the last, over the last year? Because he's made a significant jump. I mean, he was really good last season, but he is, he's, he's playing out of his mind this year. I mean, he's, he's doing everything right, you know? So, I mean, yep. what are you, what are you seeing in his game? I love CB man. Christian, Christian's my guy. Um, I knew him when he kind of committed to Creighton and was coming to Creighton for open gyms and stuff like that. And, you know, I always gave, I, I mean, I could show you a, tw- uh, a DM right now on Twitter of me giving him a hard time. Um, but I always gave him a hard time about his jump shot every day of the week. I will, I will give him a hard time about his jump shot. Cause 
you know, that was kind of his thing when, when I was leaving and he was coming in, you know, I was like, Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll sell you my jump shot if you want it. And he's like, Oh, how much do you want it? How much do you want it? I'll, I'll, I'll pay whatever you want for it. You know? So like, that was kind of mine and his thing. So I, I texted him the other a couple of days ago before a game. And I was like, Hey, I still got that jump shot for sale. It's still pretty good. You, you want it? And you know, you, but no, it's CB is such a good dude. And that's, I think that's a big part of his success is he's, he's willing to listen and he's willing to do what it takes um, to be successful. You know, it doesn't matter if he's going to have 30 points or 20 points or 18 rebounds, you know, he's going to do whatever he needs to do at that time to help the team win. And I really think that, you know, Mitch Ballack has kind of shown him that because Mitch, Mitch is that way. You mean, I mean, I, he was on a podcast the other day with, with Nick Bob about it. And, you excellent, know, it, excellent podcast. It, Unbelievable. it doesn't, it doesn't matter what night it is. You know, you don't need to score to win games. You just got to do your part and, you know, any given night. And I think Christians realize that if he's just got to do his part every night, you know, whether it's throwing down eight dunks a game or, you know, getting a couple rebounds or defending their five man with everything he's got. I mean, he's really developed into a great player and, you know, it'd be kind of cool to see him play the four, but I think he's really going to be successful at the five because he's such, it's, it's almost like a size advantage, believe it or not, you know, being smaller and quicker, you, you have an advantage against these big East fives. So, you know, I think that's going to play a huge role in his success too, is because he, he's got that first step on any big in the big East right now. So, I mean, that's, that's props to him. And, you know, and I hope CB listens to this later because I'm still selling my jump shot. <laughs> well, one player that we didn't mention throughout that was Ryan Kalkbrenner. He's also been filling it up this year as well. Uh, and we've talked about that in podcasts, um, prior to what what we're doing right now but you know i think he's really coming into his own at a great time too because not only do we have that look of christian bishop at the undersized five but we can bring in ryan for a complete change in 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 the lineup um so i mean what do you what are you seeing out of ryan so far that you've liked and i mean you know having having him in there right now as a freshman is it's crazy to think about because we haven't had, you know, with the exception to Jacob Epperson, who's dealt with uh, injuries for a long time, we haven't had a, you know, a, a true seven foot, you know, consistent per player on our lineup. So, I mean, what mm -hmm. do you think he's adding into the dynamic of this team? I mean, the kid's got good taste in numbers. I can tell you that. <laughs> I, 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 I was curious if you were going to mention that because I totally, I totally noticed that prior. It's to, really uh, weird to see somebody else wearing the jersey. I can tell you that. So that was, that was kind of hard for me and my family and my wife. It was like I've gotten probably six text messages the first game from people just saying, it's so weird because you're not wearing the jersey and stuff. But, you know, props to Ryan and what he's doing. And I think the best way to sum up what he's doing right now is what Max said after post game of uh, the previous game that they just played. Um, you know, the thing with Ryan is he's getting better and better every game and every day. And that's what you expect out of a freshman. And, you know, you don't ever hear him whining or crying or, or you know hanging his head or anything I mean he's truly got that that dog mentality where he's gonna go and do what he needs to do um and the fact that he's getting better and better every day it's just a it's just a props to Creighton and and what's going to come from him because it's kind of like Justin like when Justin came out of his shell it just got better and better and better and you can only hope the same thing for Ryan yeah absolutely 
I, I totally agree. Totally agree. What differences and similarities, I mean, do you see with that Mo Watson, Justin Patton team with the final four potential uh, in this team currently? I mean, what do you, first off, who do you think would win head to head if, if that, if that team had to play this team currently? Our team. <laughs> Throwing mm, shots. Okay. No. Well, we might have to get everybody back together for that one. You know what? I would, I would live for that experience just because, you know, the, 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 the 20, what is it, 16 and 17 team was, it didn't matter what night it was, we're going to get 80 points a game. And that's like like this team, but we were going to do it every night, every given night, and no one was going to stop us. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of similarities in the team. There's a ton of similarities. But I think that we just had a little bit more dodge in us than these yeah. boys have right now. <laughs> you know, we have, oh, I love it. They, 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 they think they're men, but you know, when we were coming on the floor, we we're going to come hit somebody. We we're going to hit somebody. So That's no, so it, it would have been a great game. Don't get me wrong, but I'm obviously going to say us because you know, I got to stick with my boys. You know what it is? But, yeah, for sure. But, for sure. But no, it would be a good game. It would be a really good game. We're all, not all of us, but me, I mean, we're all out of shape now. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, that might be a little bit of a disadvantage i think marcus is still playing somewhere uh i know marcus, mo i know mo what i know mo was playing and i think justin actually just got drafted in the g league last night yeah. i think he got drafted seventh so that's he, yeah he got amazing. drafted to the to the knicks and then mo was playing and he was going to play this year but due to covid he didn't want to yeah. risk his family so yeah. he didn't play but there's still a lot of people playing. I mean, Manny Suarez is playing. Yeah, Will Artino's um, I mean, still playing. Will Artino's still playing. I mean, there's a lot of people. Jeff Purcell's still playing. There's a lot of people yeah. that are still yeah. playing. Props to them. So let's get into some fan questions here, um, and then we can wrap up and send you on your way. Uh, let's dig into this one first. Uh, what do you miss about Omaha the most, and how often do you come to visit? I mean, the obviously, food. during the pandemic, you can't really can't really come now. But the food, yes, obviously, and we, we talk about food on this podcast every episode. So let's just get it's, it out of the way now. What what places funny. what places do you miss from Omaha? Man, you know, it's so not a, so a lot of people don't know this, but like I came from a town of five thousand people. Oh, you know, we had a McDonald's, we had a local drive-in, you know, fried food place, and a Subway. That's all. That's the only options you had. You know, to go to Omaha and have the the eight different Chinese restaurants, the Thai places, the, the, the I've never heard of raising canes in my life. So like having right, canes right. and Chick-fil-A and all this, I mean, there's endless amounts of food options in Omaha. And, you know, so I went from 5,000 to, you know, a, so we'll just say a million people to the town I live in is now just a thousand people. Oh and my God. we have, we have an A&W. Oh yes. Hey, we don't that's have right. AW here. So that's true. That's true. Yeah. You know, it's sometimes a little bit of your float every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. But no, we, we live in a small town, but we, and you know, we live an hour away from Eau Claire, which is a huge town and all that sure. stuff. Yeah. And if we want to go get food, we can go get food, but you know, the food is just, you know, we went to 801 chop house. We've gone oh. to, um, God, what's the little Italian place down in old market? Um, Nicolai, Nicolai's, Nicolai's, Nicolai's. Nic yeah, Nicolai's, I think. Yeah, Nicolai's. it's really probably oh, the best Italian Italian food in town. Low uh, key, very low key spot. Not a lot of people go there. There's really like, there's room for like 15 people in there and that's it nobody knows about it it's on yeah. the corner right next to that gas station everyone's yep. like oh we're not gonna stop there why would we go there so but yeah good. 
plank planks really good food yeah, three good i'd food. say the biggest miss of my life right now is three happiness and i'm oh. so happy that they finally reopened yeah i was gonna say man they burnt down they've been closed for a while but now uh now you have to wait like you have to I, I've heard trying to get food there right now is like nearly impossible. So my my brother-in-law still goes to Creighton. He's a junior this year. Um, but he said that they reopened and they said they had a three-hour wait time for like the last two weeks. Yeah, like that was, that was the rumor. Food, yeah, that's, which is that's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But no, that's, you know, I'm going to traveling, you know, obviously I'm not doing, I'm a salesman, but I, you know, like I travel and meet my customers and stuff like that, but I haven't really traveled anywhere. <laughs> Um, but I am going on a hunting trip here in a couple of weeks, kind of as a, as a birthday present for myself. I have yeah. a dog that I go hunting with that I've trained myself and, um, that I bought while I was in Omaha sure. and, um, we're going to Oklahoma and I'm oh, going to nice. stop by Omaha to see my brother-in-law and we're going to three happiness. Oh baby. So that'll oh, be that... the, com- the coming weeks. It'll be my first time in Omaha since got married june 6th and we left july 6th ish so since july yeah so it's been a while then yeah it's crazy i've I've, i just moved to st louis and i mentioned that a few times on the pod too but i just moved to st louis and i am really missing my chinese spots right now there's no chinese here in st louis that i found that comes close to three happiness or rice bowl i like i'm personally a rice bowl guy so i i I tend to go that route a little bit more often but I won't hold it against you, but yeah. you know, three three happiness is forever the goat because you can go there and pay ten bucks for two meals. You know, yeah. you got you had dinner and then you had lunch for the next day. Yeah, so crazy. Um, here's a good one too. Since we're on the food topic, uh, being from Wisconsin, what's your favorite beer slash brewery? Do you have one? So I'm not a beer guy. Okay, actually. all right. Well, so I think I think we not, may have established that earlier in the in the podcast when I made might, a, um, grab grab a case of beer. Well, I take it back. I'll grab you. A, I mean, if you're not a beer guy, do you, do you drink whiskey or anything like that? A whiskey, scotch, bourbon, you know, anything along along that. You know, I'm I will sit there in a chair with a single big ice cube of whiskey and just sip on whiskey for a couple hours and be yep, perfectly I'm, fine. That's I'd, I'd much rather have that over a beer to be completely honest. So I'm yeah, I'm, I was a huge crown drinker when I was in college. Um, my dad kind of got me on that and, you know, I paid a little extra for it, but you know, it was the good stuff and, you know, it tasted well and I still am. I don't drink nearly as much. I mean, I probably have a drink once a month, which is kind of <laughs> which is kind of ridiculous but no i would say uh not really a beer guy but um whiskey crown crown's probably the the goat for me all right i'll take that i'll take that uh we talked about it in this podcast quite a bit or in previous podcasts but what team do you consider to be creighton's biggest rival in the big east do you think uconn i mean we have this conversation almost every podcast so (laughs) there's always somebody that sends in this question but do you i mean additional question do you think uconn could emerge as a team that creighton could have a pretty fruitful rivalry with oh 100 i mean that that first game is a is a testament to how those games are going to go for the rest of the, their careers together. I said, yeah, I said that earlier uh, in the season as well. I think it's, I mean, if it turns into a rivalry, really, I think it will, but I mean, if it does, I mean, what of a hell of a first game that's going to be to be on record. Seriously. I mean, it's, it's, it's the start of a rivalry. I can tell you that, um, you know, one of my biggest, what, what I would consider a rivalry during my time um, would be the Xavier and Marquette games. Um, Marquette always played us tough. They always played us really well. We always ended up losing those games, which pisses me off all the time. Um, but I would, I would definitely say Xavier because there wasn't a night where, where we weren't going toe-to-toe with Xavier, and it was a game decided by, 
you know, two, three, four points. Yeah. Um, so I would definitely say Marquette and Xavier were, were our, were our rivals at the time when I was playing for Creighton. Right. Um, this one's a good one too. Did you have a pregame ritual or a song that everybody would get hyped to in the locker room? Maybe the first part, definitely. I mean, everybody has a pregame ritual. So what was yours? Um, so I had different ones actually throughout my career, but the sure. only the only one that was stagnant is I always put my left sock on before my right sock, okay. which is super, super weird. Superstitious, just, superstitious. It was very superstitious. And it wasn't anything purposely. It was almost like it was just unconsciously just that's how I did it. Um, but I really wouldn't say I had any rituals or anything like I did anything special. You know, I would get so many shots up before every game, but that was just, you know, what I had to do to think of that would get me ready um you know I, I tried hypnosis for the first year of my career um and it just kind of wasn't for me um so I, I ended up getting away from that and then my senior year obviously I only warmed up for like the last 20 minutes of warm-up just because of my ankle and everything going on and you know I had the doctor come look at my ankle before every game and tell me whether or not it was go or no go kind of situation and um you know, so I had to wait to do that. I guess if you want to call that a ritual, it's right. Ritual. Yeah. But, but I really, I, I truly didn't have anything. And when it came to the locker room, nobody was really, it was weird because like there would be somebody playing music and it'd be your typical rap music and all that stuff, but everyone would have their headphones in anyway. So it's oh, like, yeah, right. really truly listening to it, you know, but I'm a, I'm about, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a redneck or a hillbilly or anything, but I'm as about as country as it gets. Um, so I was always country music all the way, baby. And sure. that's just, that's just what it was. And, you know, I, I honestly can tell you truthfully that I haven't listened to any rap music since I left Creighton <laughs> basketball. That, that is, that is really funny, man. I I'm, mean, I'm I, being dead serious. I couldn't tell you, I couldn't even tell you what the number one hip hop song is right now. I really could. I, yeah. I mean, I stay with like the hip hop that I grew up with, like Kanye West, oh, you know, you for know sure. stuff like the that. The T-Pains of the world. Sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was a, oh my God. Okay. So there, I guess you could see, I listened to some, some like, I think Jordan Sturry, my best friend. I mean, this dude is my homie for life. <laughs> He'll forever be my homie for life. Um, he always called me T-Pain Toby. Um <laughs> Because every time there there would be mixed in with my country music, there would be like a couple of T Pain songs thrown in there just because T Pain was such a big big thing sure. when I was growing up. <laughs> so Jordan would call me T Pain Toby. So I guess that would oh be my God. ritual, I guess. That is so funny. Yeah, we had Jordan on for the first podcast and he was like, Man, you gotta get Toby on here, man. He's got so many good stories. <laughs> that I'm that's full of stories, dude. That's all uh, I'm, that's all I'm good for now is stories. We'll have to have you back. I've and just got have... so well, I just have to have you back and just give you the mic for an hour and just have to go off for, oh, for, for so however long. What, what you need to do is get me and Jordan on the same podcast. and We'll, we'll have just, to do that. That's that's what it's going to come down to because me and him, we did some funny stuff when because we, we were road roommates for two years. Um, but so side topic. So my June or that 16, 17 year, Jordan was my roommate, my road yeah. roommate for every trip. We, we, I mean, we got to know each other so well. And like, we have this thing where it's road roomies for life. And that's just kind of what we, you know, like I'm going to go to see him. Sometimes he might come and see me, you know, like we're going to have that friendship forever. I mean, he was supposed to be part of my wedding this year. Right. Um, so like, he's a big part of my life. And, um, <laughs> me and Jordan, we were just, we were, we started this thing. It was either, I think 
was junior year. It might have been junior year. We started ordering from DoorDash. Every road trip we would order, we would, he brought this little projector. It was probably yay big, you know, like a yeah, right. three projector. We'd hook it up to my computer and we'd watch Star Wars movies. We'd <laughs> watch The Ranch. We would watch all, we'd watch How I Met Your Mother. We'd watch all these, just all these shows and we'd just bond over that. And the first game of the year, my senior year, Jordan wasn't my road roommate. Oh God. And Jordan and I looked at each other and we're like, dude what the what What? (laughs) like no you can't do this you can't do this to us we already have everything planned no you can't do this so we went to mac the next day and we're like look here bud (laughs) me and him are road roommates whether you like it or not and he's like oh okay sorry we'll 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 put you guys together now and after that first game we were road roommates for the rest of the year (laughs) so we were road roommates for two years yeah you i mean yeah if you if you're if you had it for like that long, you can't just let it go. No, I mean, especially I mean, if you have, a ri- you have a ritual ordering DoorDash and watching Star Wars. I mean, that's well, that's kind of like we DoorDashed ice cream, dude. I mean, oh. that's what, that was kind of our thing. You know, we would go to like New York and stuff, and we'd find a find a little ice cream shop, and we'd be like, "Yo, let's treat ourselves. We just had like a four hour practice, dude. Let's just yeah. let's have something sweet." So that's oh what we would do, God. and then it kind of like grew to like where Davion would come to our room and get something, Marcus and Taz and. And just, I mean, there was a time where we were probably ordering like every player a DoorDash ice cream from Chick-fil-A malts to, to McFlurries from McDonald's right, down the right. street and stuff. So it was, it kind of, I guess that would be a ritual too, now that I think about it. But yeah, for sure. I mean, you, can't, yeah, forget, I, you can't forget the ice cream, man. Yeah, we, I can tell you, Jordan, I have a lot of, a lot of fun, a lot of funny stories. This has been a great conversation and uh, really appreciate your time and happy birthday again. I know it's, and it's coming up this week and we'll get that hashtag started for your mom. So she can get back to uh, the pink out game. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully next season we'll be in a place, you know, by next November, we'll be in a place where we can finally get back to Jay's games. I hope. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's get that started. Let's get a movement going. When, when you start that, make sure to tag me because I, I see her once a week cause uh, she babysits my dog while I go, I go to the office once a week, which is sure. so I kind of drive by our old my old home, and I drop my dog off because she loves my dog, and she babysits the dog for a day, and and um, you know, be, she's I'm gonna pull up that day whenever you start this, and she's gonna be like, "What did you do?" <laughs> so just give me a heads up before you start it. Oh, I will, I will, and I hope uh, I hope she listens to this as well and, and is able to reminisce. We we still love having the Hegner family a part of the of Creighton Nation. So we'll hopefully see you after the pandemic is over. But man, again, thank you so much for taking time and uh, happy birthday, man. Enjoy it this weekend. We'll, uh, we'll hopefully catch up here soon. Hey, anytime it's, it's, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate it. And uh, I can't wait till wait for next time. I should say. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thanks again, man. Appreciate it.